A report by Goldman Sachs estimates there are about 900,000 to 1 million H-1B visa holders currently in the U.S., with 12 to 13 percent of them being tech workers. Today's episode focuses on this 12 to 13 percent. What technical skills do American companies value in the market of the best and brightest? What approaches should tech specialists take in order to stay current and flexible in the industry? We explore this idea by using Ericsson Immigration Group as a real-world case study. EIG provides value to clients by always remaining nimble when it comes to implementing innovative ideas. We invite EIG's Chief Technology Officer Sanjay Akut. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Today we have Sanjay Akut, who is Ericsson Immigration Group's Chief Technology Officer. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Ian. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So today we're talking about tech. And the question we're all trying to figure out, are the computers going to take over? Is this, <laughs> is this what's going to happen? It is only a matter of time, Ian. It is only a matter of time. Oh, oh man. This is uh, not the answer I was looking for. I thought we had a little bit more hope. You know, that we all band together in this. Uh, but okay, now that I know, I got yes, the insider information. You know. Go look for John Connor. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So first, actually, tell us a little bit about your position here at EIG. Sure. So um, I've actually been here at Ericsson for a year. Last week was my one-year anniversary. Okay, nice. So um, I'm very happy in what we've accomplished in a year. But I was brought on last year to really help drive the technology strategy for Ericsson. Uh, One of the things about Jerry and Ericsson Immigration as a firm is that he just knows that technology is really what's going to propel us to the next level in the next level of service for our clients. And so while, you know, everything was going very well prior to my getting here, I was brought on to kind of bring it to the next level. Sure. Um, so I do have 25 plus years of technology experience and mm-hmm. I've been doing this all my life. Uh, I do have law firm experience as well. So I've, mm-hmm. I was in big law, uh, for five years and, um, law firms in general, have been very technology averse. Hmm. Uh, If you think about the old billable hour model, technology efficiencies are kind of anti that model. Mm -hmm. You walk into a partner's office and say, I'll save you five hours a week. And he says, what are you talking about? I have to bill that five hours, right? Hmm. Immigration law and Jerry in particular is just knows that it is how we are going to best service our clients. And that was what I was really, really excited about, about coming on board. So, you know, really looking forward to the next coming years. Yeah, great. Uh, yes, because as time continues and we develop more innovations in tech, uh, we find more systems and tools to help efficiency. And that has come to law. I know we have a lot of listeners who are actually in the tech industry mm-hmm. who are software engineers. Sure. What sort of technical skills as an employer, as a CTO, are you looking for in prospective candidates? Sure. So um, a lot of big trends going on in tech right now. Um, and the biggest thing that you'll see is just cloud. Everything's around mm. the cloud. Right. The fastest way to value for a technology group within any organization is using the cloud. There's just no way around it. Mm. Everybody is going to be there up until this point. 
security has been a big thing around the cloud, why you're not going to go to it. And I argue that security will be the reason that you do move to the cloud. Hmm. Everybody will. So that is what we in the technology industry are. We're looking for people that have cloud experience. Got it. And, uh, uh, anyone that I'm counseling or mentoring some, you know, folks that have come up in, in their career, you know, around me, I just, I tell them, go and do as much as you can in the cloud. Even if your day-to-day job isn't around anything with the cloud, go uh, do it on your own. Right. That's interesting. So for the technology illiterate like myself. Sure. Uh, the cloud. Okay. We know about it. It is some memory <laughs> system, some storage system somewhere up there who's in charge here i assume it's not in like the actual clouds no uh, it, it is right up there in the cloud right, right. No. <laughs> i'm a little bit more savvy than that but on basic terms sure how does that work so cloud? it's essentially the cloud is basically just uh, internet-based computing so it's more than just storage it has mm. now become compute mm. and um, a lot of what they're calling platform as a service, just these managed services that we in IT used to have to manage ourselves. Think of mm-hmm. a database, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you used to have to stand up your own server, install a database on a database server platform on it, mm-hmm. and then maintain that, update it, patch it, make sure security, literally having to staff your own administrators look just to run those systems. Mm. Now there are managed databases and all the big cloud providers have them where you just say, I just need a database and let them handle the underlying technology of how to run it, how to patch right. it. It's basically these managed services and it's, and it is this massive conglomeration of all of these different services together that make up the huge cloud offerings. Right. And the big ones are Amazon, Microsoft's Azure right. Cloud, Google, and IBM are kind of like the the real big ones. Salesforce also also has a, a really tremendous cloud presence. They actually mm-hmm. started the whole cloud computing. Oh, um, you know, just because Salesforce was the biggest, there was no such thing as SaaS software as a service before Salesforce came along, mm-hmm. and that's really what helped to propel you know cloud computing into the next level. All right. So, so it really is just like let those guys, the big guys, right. handle that stuff for you. Right. Microsoft, Amazon, and Google are way better at running data centers than any of us are. Right, right. So computing plus storage. Sure. Um, yeah. So next time I'm I'm downloading a song from the cloud, I, I won't just look up in the sky. That's right. <laughs> okay. Now I know not to do this. Um so bring it back to here at EIG, what are some of the developments that you're, you and your team are working on here that you're excited about? Sure. So it really is that cloud computing is, mm. is real. That's where we are going as well. Right. So we want to take full advantage of it. Uh, when I got here and trying to lay out the technology strategy, what was really apparent to me and what I've seen a lot of companies kind of fall into the trap of mm. is trying to write their own system, quote unquote. So um, just from from scratch, like, hey, we maybe don't like this system that's out in the industry, or maybe we can be differentiated by having our own code, literally mm. just writing their own code. Mm. So they'll hire an army of developers and they'll go and build that for years and years and years. Mm. And we just, we very much want to take a different approach to technology. We want to apply the latest and greatest cloud technology platforms that are out there to help solve our clients problems Hmm. as quickly as possible 
we've adopted really a low-code, no-code approach to platform development. And low-code? Yeah, so it's basically just let, uh, exactly as I was describing before with um, the cloud type of providers, Mm -hmm. people have already written code that does a lot of the things that we need to do. Right. So just say- It's like a template. That's right. Like a form, for instance. Mm -hmm. So when you, you used to have to literally hand code a form with a text box. And then if you want a drop down box, you hand code it. Yeah. There are many, many people have done those things in the past, you know? And so just use these low code, no code platforms in order to really quickly create solutions. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to do that via integrations with our clients. So connecting to their systems to free flow data Mm -hmm. without literally having to write a single line of what we would call legacy code. Right. So uh, it's really come to fruition. You know, that's kind of the strategy that we are laying out. There is no one big EIG system. Our technology platform is made up of a number of different cutting edge mm-hmm. technologies that we can apply to solve different business problems. So right. all the different things, I mean, and these might not mean much to you, Ian, but, you know, we're using <laughs> right. data lakes and data bricks and mm. machine learning and artificial intelligence and all of these things as little pieces to solve little targeted problems. Mm. And the way that we've designed our strategy is that we don't know what's going to be the next big thing, even next year. Hmm. So we want to be able to unplug and plug in as many different cutting edge technologies as we can with these companies. And I've been through it with large corporate organizations where they have invested a lot of time and money in their their um, army of developers Mm -hmm. um, is they just become this big monolithic system that is so hard to change or pivot or do anything innovative Hmm. on. Right. Because they're saddled with a lot of this kind of legacy technical debt. We just don't have that. We're, we started uh, at the right time that I think all of these technologies have matured to really allow this strategy to come to fruition. Right. So we aren't your old aircraft carrier that takes forever <laughs> to turn. Right. We're that nimble little boat that we can just shift Pivot on a dime. That's can. right. When mm-hmm. The next thing that comes down the road, Databricks is a terrific example. Databricks is a relatively new technology that a lot of people are taking advantage of. And we were immediately able to, literally within weeks, able to implement it in our platform and get real, real value out of it. Right. I, I think that's a really a, a good point as innovations happen on a year to year basis. You have to be flexible. That's right. And we kind of say this for, you know, the, the software engineers and other uh, technical positions. You would recommend you d- mention cloud base, uh, but also just to stay on top, keep their skills fresh that's right. on the, the cutting edge technologies, because that's what companies are looking for. And the innovations are happening rapidly. That's right. Try to be as agnostic to a, to an individual platform as you can as well. And that's really our approach also. So, you know, while we are taking advantage of some of the big guys, the Microsoft Cloud, for instance, Mm. because it plays really nicely with some of our underlying technology platforms. However, if the Google Cloud has an offering that we just want to be able to take advantage of, our technology platform would allow us to do so. 
Got it. And so my suggestion to anyone coming up in tech is to do the same thing. Right. There used to be these almost religious wars of, hmm. I hate Microsoft. I'm only a Linux person. Right, exactly. Microsoft has gotten out of that Sticking business. to their tribe. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and not wanting to go outside of it. And Microsoft has even, you know, to their credit, they have pivoted and, hmm. and they are no longer everything Windows. They just don't care. Hmm. They like Linux now. They're including Linux. They're allowing their software to run on Linux. And so don't get into the the trap of well, I'm only a Java developer, for instance. Right. Learn Python. Python's right. one of the big ones coming up. Everybody wants to take mm -hmm. on Python. A lot of the new tools that are available for machine learning and AI and those types of things right. really, really use Python heavily. So, you know, don't just get stuck into well, I'm a I'm an Oracle person or mm -hmm. I'm a Microsoft SQL Server person. Sure. Don't get stuck in that. Be agnostic as, as agnostic as you can. It will really allow you a lot of flexibility to shift. Great. So you mentioned a little bit about AI and machine learning. And one of my questions, what is the future in tech? What are some of the things that you're sort of looking forward to? Sure. That's may not be here right now, but it's coming in the foreseeable future. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we are taking advantage of a lot of machine learning and AI. We have massive amounts of data here. You know, mm -hmm. we do lots of volume with lots of different people and lots of different cases and very complex. And so when I was talking about data lake, we are feeding everything that comes through into a data lake mm -hmm. and trying to see, are there interesting things that come up? Mm -hmm. So think of RFEs yeah. in today's climate. There's way, way more RFEs right. than what there were before, right? Mm -hmm. What if we could pretty accurately predict what might be an RFEable case, you know? Mm, right. In the past, it was up to the legal team to highlight those things. And and we still do. Right. But a machine can look at the 100 different variables or 1,000 different variables of all of the different pieces right. of a case that went in. And then whenever we mark it as that case got RFE'd, the machine's learning. Yeah. Hmm. Let me see if there's correlations. And then, and then, right. and we've just started this process. So literally everything that we're feeding through our system is it's learning as we go. Yeah. So every RFE that comes back, we're getting smarter. Yeah. And getting so, in that, that data and it's learning from that data. That's right. And when you have a large database of what is likely at RFE, what is not likely at RFE, it can sort of predict. That's right. Like the probability. Yeah. Based on one. things that a person might not have been mm. able to pick up, you right. know, so it's the correlation of this SOC code and state, and this is not right. true. Right. right yeah, this is an example. example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but that, but a computer can see those things where a per, it'd be very, very difficult for a person to, to tie all of those things together. So right. that's the kind of thing. And then take it all the way to being able to potentially draft responses. Hmm. So using AI and machine learning to actually draft, to write what has always traditionally been an, a human only type of activity. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to step back from saying that I think that, you know, we can replace lawyers and all of that stuff. Sure, sure. I just, I don't think that that's anywhere near. Mm -hmm. um, but the combination of some interesting machine learning that can maybe get it 50%, 60%, 70% of the way there. And mm -hmm. then a really smart person, which we have in abundance here, right. um, to go and take it the rest of the way just makes things way more efficient. 
you know, it creates some consistencies. And I absolutely believe that we can get there in relative short order. That That isn't science fiction and isn't 10 years right. out. You know, that is here today. It's just a matter of what problems would it solve for us, you know? Right. Um, I think in today's climate, you don't necessarily want to leave the drafting of some of these responses. Take an RFE as an example. Right. Completely Fully up to a computer. A computer right. Because um, you have to understand context. Yeah. And like that. You, and, can, and taking, you can only do so much with data. That's right. And taking their experience and saying, hmm, for this particular one, I think this is the best way to solve that. Right. We just don't have enough data to even really come close to being able to, to redo what a person could do. Hmm. But if you think of, you know, if certain RFEs are similar and there's templated language, things like right. that, those are the things that we could probably put together, right. um, you know, pretty decent responses on in short order. But I just stop short of saying that we can, you know, really fully automate a lot of these things because they're so complex, you know, where technology can absolutely augment and help to create value but really not totally replace. Right. Uh, and that's kind of where we are today. Right. Just finding ways to be more efficient. That's right. Well, all right. So first starts with analyzing RFEs. <laughs> Who knows? The world is... Yes. And then right. it becomes self-aware. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is good. I'm, I'm glad because this is a little bit different from what we do, but, you know, tech and law, tech and immigration, mm -hmm. um, Technology is you know, present in all industries. You know, law and immigration is not exempt from that. That's right. So, and we we appreciate the work that you do here. And thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you're taking us into the 21st century and beyond. So, I appreciate your time, Sanjay. No problem. I I very much appreciate being here at any time. Thank you. For more content and immigration updates, please follow us at eiglaw.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG Nerds Podcast to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time. My man. All right, man. <laughs> that was cool. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, man. That All was right. smooth. That was smooth. That was really good.